Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, along with Bruce Kelly. We are talking this week to Chuck Fela. Chuck has been uh, involved in a lot of our recent events and projects here at Investment News, uh, namely the RIA Summit, which we introduced a couple of years ago. We did two virtual RIA Summits, and this past week we did our first in-person RIA Summit in Boston, a two-day event. Next year we're scheduled for uh, New York, same time of year, don't have dates yet. What we're going to talk to Chuck about today is a, a new venture and project and franchise that we're rolling out at Investment News, uh, which is kind of a, an extension of the RIA Summit that is uh, named Go RIA. And there's a really cool history there that uh, starts with Chuck. And we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about where we're going to go with this Go RIA thing. So Chuck Fela is the uh, founder, president, CEO, and I think he also uh, is uh, responsible for uh, vacuuming the carpets at uh, Sovereign Financial Group. How you doing, Chuck? I'm doing well. Yeah, you need to add uh, dishwasher and uh, repair person and everything else. I, I do it all. Okay, I forgot. I forgot all the things that you're capable of dog doing. groomer. Dog groomer. Don't the dogs and the cats. That's a fact, in fact, yes. So, yeah, Chuck, let's let's start by sort of a little bit of background on where the – well, let's start by talking about what the, what the RIA Summit is and is about. Absolutely. Well, it, it's really all things RIA, right? So the, the summit, we, which we, of course, just came back from uh, in Boston, um, was, was designed to deliver two days of content specifically for, for folks in the RIA space currently – and then also for people looking to get into the RIA space. And, and there's just such a huge interest right now in that. And it, it's it's growing, it just seems exponentially, for people looking to explore, you know, what is it about this RIA space that's, that's garnering so much attention? And what we were able to do uh, is within two days worth of content is address a lot of the issues that people both in the space and looking to get into the space would want to hear and then gave them a good opportunity to not only ask questions and, and get some information right then and there on the spot, but connect them also with, with the right people so that way they can have a deeper, more meaningful conversation to see what they would need to do to either enhance their current RIA or if they're not yet in the space, what are some steps that, that they can actually do, some actionable steps they can do uh, you know, offline after the summit with, uh, with the many uh, vendors that were there. Soup to nuts, RIA, how to get there, how to be there, how to choose your custodian, tech stack, everything. And this is really, and this kind of gets into the Bruce's wheelhouse. This is really the kind of capturing that RIA break, that breakaway broker trend, all of these people going independent and everything that they need to do and to kind of help them with that entrepreneurial move. But Chuck, I want to go back even a little further to sort of the origins of this and how over uh, over two years ago, you called me one day out of the blue. You and I didn't know each other. And, and I just want to let people know at this point, I feel really uh, a close connection to Chuck. I think we're pretty good friends and we've been working together pretty closely over these past couple of years. But talk about that, what, what you were working on at that time when you called me just to, I think, moderate a panel or something. That's right. So it's almost two years ago this week. I think it was two years ago last week, in fact. And what this was, was the first ever Go RIA virtual summit. And what that was supposed to be, and this was right around the time of, of COVID kind of kicking into gear, 
this was going to be essentially a, a relatively small study group, if you will, of interested advisors. We want to share ideas on what it means to go RIA. And because of COVID, we pivoted to this new thing called Zoom. And we we're like, well, let's try to do it virtually and see how that goes. And we pivoted it virtual. And what we found was two things. Number one, there was an incredible appetite for information pertaining to people looking to go RIA. I mean, just a tremendous appetite. And then what we were fortunate enough to realize is be, because we went virtual on this, we were able to get some really big name people. And frankly, Jeff, you were the first one. And I used that as leverage. That's true. So I reached out and, and I was like, let me see if I can get this Jeff Benjamin guy on the phone. And, and I did. I was like, oh. And, and then I explained to the idea and, and you were really constructive on it moment one. I mean, you saw the, the value there and you were on board. And so then I used that to reach out to some other big name people. And I was like, well, you know, we have a lot of real big name people. For example, I don't know, like Jeff Benjamin's doing this as if we had like dozens <laughs> of other big name people behind us. And then the second person to sign up was actually Mike McDermott, uh, who's the co-founder and CIO of Riskalyze, pretty big name guy. So now we had two big name people and, and so on and so forth. <laughs> so the next call was like, oh, we have a lot of big name people. I don't know, for example, you know, Jeff Benjamin and Mike McDermott from Riskalyze. Oh, great. And here comes- You know, Chuck, line. Jeff likes to call himself big name. <laughs> big name. That's, that's actually that's my- nickname that's around the office. My, my, big name yeah. Benjamin. <laughs> It's actually my license plate on my car. Big name. <laughs> but I, I tell you, it, it just works. So now all of a sudden, you know, uh, the 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 image became reality. And we had just, what, four or five hours worth of content with some pretty serious people. C-suite people, thought leaders from, from around the country were dialing in to deliver this content to this audience, which grew to over 250 people. So what was going to be like, a, you know, a half a dozen, dozen advisors locally here in Stanford, Connecticut, which is where Sovereign's based, into this kind of meaningful national event. And again, it was all done on my personal Zoom account. And the reason why it grew as much as it did, you know, big names aside, was because there was a huge appetite. You know, we, we really struck a chord with people that wanted to learn more about the RIA space. Didn't quite know where to start Start with that. And what we gave them is one Zoom to dial into for four or five hours, like a half a day. And we gave them a real taste of what it meant to go RIA, what you need to keep in mind, what do you need to do for compliance, for technology, for trading, for custodians. And we, we talk, touched upon all of it. Then, you know, fast forward just about three or four months. I know Jeff and, and the gang and Investment News love the idea. And we decided to partner together. And that really took this to the next level. And we we then went from sort of go RIA on, on Chuck, literally Chuck's personal Zoom account. I mean, that's how I did this to the, the backing that you guys had with the production value and the deep resources for content. And that really opened up a lot of doors. And then we had these virtual, you know, investment news RIA summits, which I think were really, really well received. And that grew and built momentum and grew and built momentum until, you know, it hit a bit of a, a, a pinnacle. I wouldn't say pinnacle, I, I think a really high plateau because I think it's going to go even to another level. But when we did it at um, in the Boston uh, Marriott uh, just over these past couple of days, and um, I, I've just been receiving a tremendous amount of positive response and, and frankly, an appetite for more. A little fill in here. Along the way, we had, well, we did have two uh, virtual RA summits within a, 
I was in within a year. I think we had two, and then so we've had three in two yeah, years. Yeah, like one in the spring and one in the fall, right. Jeff, or something. Yeah. And we had labs in between, which were like yeah. half-day workshops that were kind of specific topics we would focus focus on, like you know, outsourcing asset management or or looking at your custodian or tech stack and all the other little nuances of this move to independence. And just so you know, Chuck's has lived and experienced this because Chuck himself is a breakaway broker. Tell us about that, Chuck, about your your move to the independence. And that's why you saw this as such a market opportunity. Well, first thing I'll say is I, I wish we had this or I had this, you know, five years ago when I was thinking about breaking away. So I, I broke away about three years ago. Um, started doing research to do so about two years prior to that. So I've been really living in this space and dissecting it and doing my due diligence for about five years now. And uh, at that time, I was like, all right, I, I really am working as an RIA within a broker-dealer confine. And why am I doing that, right? Why am I subjecting myself to FINRA and the oversight and, you know, a lower payout? And interestingly, and I, I talked to a lot of people about this over the past couple of days in Boston, you know, a higher payout, which is a, a for sure thing to happen when you go RIA is fantastic, but it's not even always the number one consideration. It's really the independence, the ability to build and run your business the way you want to do it. And it's almost like the higher payout, which there is certainly a higher payout, a much higher payout in some cases, that's kind of the cherry on top. But when I was looking to do all this, you know, five years ago, I was looking here, looking there, looking at different resources, getting information from vendors, you know, which is not a bad place to start. But there wasn't really one source for where I can go to get unbiased information comparing the vendors, comparing the different options, comparing the different models, of which there's a myriad of models even for going RIA. And all that information I had to like parse out from this vendor or that vendor or this source and that source and kind of really figure out what is the, the truth what is a real good unbiased solution that's going to be best for me? And that I think is the answer with what we're doing here with these summits and ultimately the Go RIA franchise is to deliver to these advisors that are looking to go RIA, you know, one thing they can bookmark on their, you know, browsers and one source to get all this information that's being compiled and collated by a, a trusted source like Investment News to, to get that information not only easily, but through the lens without bias. And I think that's what's going to be so powerful about this. Yeah, we we know, we all know, all three of us, we know that there's an appetite out there. We know that the, the movement is toward independence. And that's why this RIA Summit stuff is going to continue to move forward. And it's probably going to expand to maybe more of a general RIA type uh, conference and agenda and workshops and so forth. But Go RIA, which is in the in the launch pad right now, and it's going to be worked up over the next few months where people are going to start to see it, that's going to be the specific targeted effort to look at all of these RIA, all of these potential RIAs, whatever stage you're in. And as, as Chuck said, it's going to be a, a, a place where you can go as opposed to going to a custodian and say, what can you do for me? And why should I work for you? We're going to have uh, our own analysis. It's going to be multimedia, multifaceted. We're talking webcast, podcast, live streaming. And the way Chuck and I have talked about this and with other folks in marketing and sales at Investment News is that I always compare it to, to like college planning. 
if if you're a parent and you have a child uh, in their maybe high school years or even younger, and you're looking at their college prep, you're you're preparing by looking at colleges and saving money and making sure your kids got all the grades and the test scores and stuff like that. And then you you help them through their college career in whatever ways you can and should. But then once your kids graduate, you're kind of not thinking about college planning anymore. You let other people worry about that. But there's still more people coming behind you that need to think about that. And and that's kind of the way we're looking at that with, with all of these breakaways. We're saying, yeah, once you've broken away, you're done. But not everybody's like Chuck and wants to share what they learned and, and share the wealth. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're looking to be this, as Chuck has said, a one-stop shop where people can go there and say, okay, I need to figure out everything. I need to figure out how to rent office space, how to, you know, hiring, firing, HR, tech support, evaluating TAMPs and custodians and and everything. Th- those are just some of the topics that we're looking at, Chuck, and we're going to continue to to evolve this this menu of offerings, right? Absolutely. And and again, the, the idea of having it all, I think it's really twofold, right? All in one spot, <clears throat> that's that's fantastic, but also through the lens of a, of a trusted media source, right? As opposed to through the lens of the custodian. And look, it's not like the, the custodians or the vendors are not going to be truthful with you, right? But they, are they going to be as comprehensive about the good stuff of their competitors as perhaps we will be? Probably not, right? You go into a dealership, you know, for... XYZ, right? Whether it's a Lexus or BMW or a Toyota, you're, you're going to hear everything through the lens of why this is great kind of period, as opposed to a real um, in-depth pro and con view of things, which is always going to be the case. And I've gone through this, right? There, there is no perfect custodian. There is no perfect tech vendor. There is no perfect rebalancer, right? To get really granular. They all have pros and cons. But what, what could be perfect is a perfect fit for what is good for you. And what's going to be perfect for me and the choices that I've made for my custodians at Sovereign and our tech stack is certainly not going to be the case for every single advisor out there. And what I'm you know, looking to work with you guys on in delivering is, is a good way for advisors to parse through the pros and cons of everything to better determine what's going to be the best fit for them. Because it's certainly not going to be the same for every advisor out there. There's so much nuance. And that's what I'm looking forward to help delivering uh, through this through this platform. Anything that you can kind of illustrate to our audience of the things that we've done so far uh, as we fine tune this from RIA Summit to Go RIA that uh, you could kind of share with uh, the audience about how you might have done things differently in your breakaway? Yeah, no, absolutely. So for us, and, and I, I wrote an article on this, in fact, uh, with you guys, you know, we had a pretty major misstep. And we had to switch from one, you know, account management platform to another. And I will say for sure, there was nothing wrong with the the original one we were using, right? And it doesn't matter who they were at this point, but they just weren't a good fit for what we needed to do. So that was a pretty significant misstep where if I had better access to information and for lack of a better term, I suppose, unbiased information, I think I would have made a better decision day one, as opposed to getting involved, onboarding, you know, what, a thousand households, and then having to leave that and re-onboard somewhere else. And again, I have to make this super clear. It's not like, you know, vendor A was horrible and vendor B was just the perfect solution for everyone. But in my case, it was a better fit for what we needed to do. And if I had, I think, better information 
that was coming from someone other than the vendor, right? I think I would have come to that conclusion more easily earlier on, as opposed to having to learn it, you know, uh, as they say, the, the hard way. And, and that's exactly what I'm hoping we're able to deliver. The other thing too, is the idea of, of payout, right? We did a whole panel discussion on this, true net payout. I think that's super powerful. One of the things I'm looking forward to working on with you guys is developing uh, an online calculator to help advisors parse through, well, what does the deal look like economically? And again, is that the be all and end all? No. Is it hugely important? Of course it is, right? But it's, it's hard for advisors coming out of the wirehouse world, coming out of the independent broker dealer world to really understand what should I be looking at from the economic perspective? So what I'm envisioning as part of the calculator suite that I know we're gonna have is calculating your true net payout. What should I be looking for? Where are all the, the bodies buried, right? What are all those hidden fees that I wanna look for, ask about? And that way I can rank up where I currently am at XYZ broker dealer. And let's say RIA option A versus RIA option B and C versus building my own RIA. Right? And what is going to make more sense for me? Should I build my own? Should I tuck in? And if I tuck in, I mean, one thing about the RIA space, which is good and also a challenge, right? And I'll contrast this with the wirehouses. If I'm looking to go the wirehouse route, I maybe have a handful, half a dozen wirehouses to explore. If I want to go the independent broker dealer route, maybe I have 10, 12 different really solid IBDs to choose from. Mm -hmm. But if I want to plug into an RIA, right? There, there's thousands and thousands, but there's probably hundreds of legitimate RIAs that are worth exploring to tuck into. Hundreds, right? So that's the good news. You have a lot of choice. But my gosh, how do I parse through which of the hundreds to choose from? And then, of course, if you want to build your own RIA, which anyone can, it's, it's amazingly relatively easy to build your own RIA these days because there's so, much, so many resources out there to help you do that. What is that going to look like economically and time-wise? right? How much time do I need to put into to build an RIA? And then how do I contrast all of those, right? Choosing A, B, or C, or D, or building my own, right? That's just one of the things we're looking to develop to help advisors, because that's that's a big part of the process is determining which route to take, and then going into a deeper dive after that. One thing I think is interesting to talk about is that, you know, Chuck, we started this with virtual events, because we were forced to do virtual events. And our team here at Investment News, uh, for all kinds of reasons, decided we needed to take this thing into a live event format. And you and I were, you know, full disclosure, both of us were kind of like, I don't know about a live event because we're talking about all these people that are kind of clandestinely leaving their brokerage firms and they might not want to be showing up at a live event. But what we found was that, first of all, all these people that we're talking about evaluating, all these, I guess, sponsors, all these firms, these these companies that help you get yourself in the business, they were really excited to meet this market. And we found out that there were a lot of attendees that were ready to come here. And, mm -hmm. you know, we don't really know the status of all the attendees, all the advisors or wannabe advisors. But we do know, I will say this, that from my perspective anyway, I learned a lot from a lot of the you know interactions that I had with attendees and from a lot of the interaction that we saw during the, the in-person sessions, which is something we didn't get a lot of in the virtual events. But 
I do know that Go RIA is going to be a mix of all of that. We're certainly going to have some live events, but we're going to also have things like this. We're going to have podcasts and, as I said, webcasts and, and virtual, or I'm sorry, live streaming type things. I hope we're going to, I know we're learning as we go. We've already learned over the past two years of the different things that we can add to the kinds of things, the kinds of information that we want to give these people. Everything, you know, fees, succession planning. We even talked about, we even had a session about mergers and acquisitions because, you know, that's always there if you're in, if you're an RIA in this space sure. right now where, where the, the consolidation is frantic. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely correct. And, you know, even though someone might be just a breakaway advisor, it doesn't mean it's premature to think about your exit strategy, right? And especially if you're maybe an older advisor, and, and we're seeing a lot of this, you know, advisor that might be in sort of the fourth quarter of their career, you know, in their 60s or whatnot, and they want to go RIA because they understand that once they are RIA, they can absolutely, without question, command a much bigger sale price for their business as opposed to selling it essentially to one of the wirehouses. Now, the wirehouses all have their sunsetting plans and succession plans, <clears throat> but you are getting pennies on the dollar versus what you would get in the RIA space. So we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of that also. So although M&A may not be absolutely top of mind for someone looking to initially break away, it's definitely part of the, the thought process. And also, I would say, if they are forward thinking, and, and I would suggest that they would want to be, they should think in, in terms of what does their end strategy look like as they're making plans to either tuck in or build their own, because those decisions would, would be in large part driven by what they think their, their succession will be, you know, whether it's to internally to a, a child or internally to a staff member or ultimately out in the open market. So there are a lot of choices there, and it's, it's not necessarily too early to even think about that even at the breakaway stage. Bruce, what do you think? I mean, you see the, the, the size of the brokerage in the IBD space, and I mean, you, you've been watching this migration for a long time. I think it's just steadier than ever. It just seems that, you know, ever since the credit, going all the way back to the credit crisis, 2008, 2009, you know, there's just, a, there's just this steadiness of people moving away from FINRA and going RIA only. And they just seem to be getting bigger and bigger and, now they're coalescing, right? And there's, you know, people who are very senior uh, people at, you know, UBS, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, right? Who have taken up, created their own wealth management firms and are luring advisors out of there, right? To come be breakaway brokers, you know? I think, Chuck, you were with Raymond James, the independent broker of Raymond James, right? Yeah. So as, as I'm sure you guys know, Raymond James really has essentially three channels, right? They have a, what is more like a wirehouse channel, right? A W-2 model. Everything is taken right, care of. Right, an employee employee broker. Yeah, yeah, employee broker. Then they have the IBD channel, right? Independent broker dealer. That's where I was. And then they have um, a custodian only model, which a lot of people still don't even know about, which is unfortunate because it's, it's a great model. It's a very high service. So even though, I, interestingly, I broke away from Raymond James, the FINRA side of things, we still retain them as a custodian. Uh, now they work with us no more, no less than a custodian, right? So they're a custodian the same way Charles Schwab, which is another uh, firm that we custody with, but they have no oversight to us. They don't audit us. Uh, they are purely a, a vendor, a custodian vendor for us. And we've been really happy for that um, as we are with, with Schwab as well. But yeah, that's, that's the firm I was with for 
what, 20 years and absolutely loved it. Uh, the, I've got some great deep relationships with the folks at Raymond James, but I just really outgrew the BD side of things. And interestingly, I wasn't working as a broker, you know, or registered rep for probably, you know, the last five years of my affiliation with them. I was working as an RIA within the Raymond James IBD. And I realized, you know, I'm not dropping tickets. I'm not doing commission business. You know, what the heck am I subjecting myself, not to Raymond James uh, compliance, but really it's FINRA compliance through Raymond James. And I've always found FINRA compliance to be really arduous. Uh, and I've got some theories as, as to why maybe that is. I was like, you know what? I, I don't need this, right? We're, we're working as RIAs. Let's just once and for all become an RIA. And we made that decision, you know, to really explore that, like I said, about five years ago and pull the trigger about three years ago. But also as you kind of move away in the progression of a broker, say from a, from a real traditional employee wirehouse, like a Morgan Stanley or a Merrill Lynch or Raymond James and Associates, the employee side there, mm -hmm. right? You, as you move away from that, you know, I've always had a rule of thumb. It's roughly in the neighborhood of, you know, an advisor sees 40 cents on every dollar of revenue at that model go to his paycheck after doing all the grid stuff, right? That those firms have. And then in an in IBD, it's more like 80 cents to 85 cents, maybe 90 cents. And then in an RIA, you kind of set your own limit. So just for the kind of the, the uninformed people out there who might be listening all the way to this, you know, <laughs> podcast, um, who still have the podcast on. It is more lucrative, though, for you to kind of to break away eventually. And you said that's, you know, that's a big reason. It's not the only reason people do it, but it is a significant reason. And once you do break away in this environment, as Jeff just mentioned, you know, you have all this private equity money you know, looking to combine and roll up all and aggregate all these firms together too. So um, it's, it's, it's a very uh, uh, potentially valuable thing for a financial advisor uh, to consider. A absolutely. And, and I'm not looking to downplay the economics of it. It is, you know, I've yet to meet anyone that would rather have less money than more, right? We all would rather have more money than less. And without question, without a doubt, whether you build your own RIA, if you're up for that, or if you just tuck into an RIA, you will put more money in your pocket relative, certainly to the wirehouse model. I mean, you have to pay your own costs too. You'd be fair. You have to pay your own costs. Yeah. When you're with the mothership, when you're with it, the big <laughs> firm, they pay for your office. They pay for your assistant. They pay for your phone line. You, they, all that stuff that seems to be less and less important these days after the pandemic. But when you take your, when you do break away, you pay for all that stuff yourself out of your own pocket. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the case. But it is not the case in the IBD world, right? So in the IBD world, you are paying for your staff, you are paying for your office space and everything else. Um, so even the, the payout between the IBD model and the RIA model, the RIA model will put more money into your pocket, net, net, net. And, you know, we, we talked about this. We had, a, we had a panel on this. I wrote an article on this called True Net Payout. And what's interesting, if, if you look at the True Net Payout, the way I look at it, and I think a lot of RIAs do as well, it's really the total fees being absorbed by you and or your client, right? Which will be, of course, your advisory fee, but then also the asset management fees, the platform fees, the E&O insurance. Right. Those are the total costs relative to what is directly deposited into your bank account as an advisor. That's how I look at true debt payout. And what is really the the 
the hidden value, right? And, and one that I really like to highlight when you go RIA is you have many more options for your asset management solutions. And they are always going to be far less expensive for you and or your client, right? And if you're looking at your true net payout as the total fees absorbed by you or your client, right? Not only will you get a higher payout, right? 92% to 100%. That's pretty cool. But then also the, the asset management fees, whether you do it yourself or, or outsource to a TAMP, it's so much more competitive in the RIA space because you're not locked into just using the solutions at one broker dealer. Also ethically doing the job of the financial advisor, which is to protect your client and yes. assign the client the best value, right, for your services. And that under those guidelines. Yeah, no, for sure on that. And again, if when you're with a broker dealer, you can explore to the extent it's available to you on your broker dealer's platform. In the RI space, you have the entire world to look at. And there's so many vendors, insurance vendors, annuity vendors, asset management vendors, TAMPs that want to get into the RIA space. And because you could choose from any of them, not just what your broker dealer says you could choose from, you could choose from any of them. As you might imagine, that level of competition brings up the quality of service and drives down in a big way the cost of it. And, and that's another real valuable economic benefit of going RIA that's not completely evident. So it's not just going from 50% to 100% or 92% to 100%. It's all the ancillary value that's there too. And, and we're certainly going to explore that in depth uh, in the Go RIA franchise. Hey, Chuck, talk a little bit about your firm, Sovereign Financial Group, because because you're not just a little lifestyle practice. I don't know what you started with when you broke away, but I think you're around 600 million now or something like that. And you you tell, talk about how you're bringing on advisors and what your footprint's looking like in your business model. Yeah, no, for sure. So when we broke away, um, we were at we were just a two person practice, you know, a decent sized one, about 180 million dollars. And during the first year after we broke away, we, we were very intentionally building a platform uh, to grow to, you know, one to two billion dollars was, was what we set out to do. And that includes not only the IT that we have, and we have, you know, uh, what I think is a wonderful IT stack, but also some wonderful people that are pressing the buttons to make sure that IT stack works. So we have some really nice infrastructure. So we spent the first year building that. Then about two years ago, we started letting other advisors know that, hey, we're, we're open for business. And what I created at Sovereign was an infrastructure and a platform and a way of doing business that makes sense for me, right? And then we're sharing that with other advisors. And some think, yeah, that's, that's how I would want to do business. And those advisors consider joining us and, and a good number of them have, and some may not. So over the past couple of years, we, we've grown from two advisors and $180 million. Now we're up to 14 advisors uh, in Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, Florida. We have someone actually onboarding with us next month or the month after that in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So we've grown to about 14, 15 advisors. Uh, and, and as I like to say, we're, we're about to pass through 700 million for the second time. <laughs> we were there, we got pulled back and we're going through it again. So it, it was fun going through 700 wow, million. Wow, that's great. So we're looking forward to doing it twice. Yeah, thank you. So you're a breakaway destination yourself. 
that. We are. Yeah, we're, we're a small, and boutique is an overused word, but you know, we really are considering ourselves a boutique breakaway. Just don't say bespoke. I know. I, I hate bespoke more than I hate boutique. <laughs> I really do. I, I've said that often, in fact. Um, but we kind of are. But what's different for, for us is we, we, we've publicly committed, and I, I think, Jeff, you even quoted me in one of your articles, you know, we're not going to sell to private equity and we're not going to grow to more than 40 advisors. And 40 was somewhat arbitrary, but that's the number of advisors I feel I can have a real personal relationship with. And that's what we're looking to do. And in probably five years, you know, uh, I'm, in, I'm in my early 50s. In about five years, we're going to look for some internal succession. You know, the, the younger advisors that really want to take a leadership role, those are going to be the folks that are going to have essentially the first right of refusal as we start selling off some of the firm. Are, are you giving equity uh, positions to your recruits or the people that you're bringing into the firm, the advisors you're bringing into the firm, or, nope. or how does that whole structure work? No. So at this point, we're not, but we will in about five years for those oh, that okay. really want, want in on that. You're sitting on the equity, in other words. Exactly. So I'm still retaining that. the equity. Uh, yeah. But we've already publicly committed, right? And, and here I am doing it again. We want to sell this firm ultimately to the people that are here with us already, that already believe in the culture, believe in how we're doing it. Because I would I would hate to sell it. And we've had offers. I've had offers from private equity, of course. I've had offers from a local <laughs> bank that wanted sure. to buy us. Yeah, of course. And, you know, it's interesting. I, As I like to say, I didn't grow up poor, but I definitely grew up on the poor side of middle class. You know, so... Right now, with the success that we've had, I mean, I, I really don't want for anything. Our family doesn't want for anything. And I'm really doing this because I, I honestly love the the experience of building a business. It's something I've always wanted to do as a, as a child. You know, Jeff and I, we were talking about this. Like, the, the gift I've had is as a young person, like a freakishly young person, like seven or eight or nine, I wanted nothing then to have my own business. So I love this. And um, it, it's been a lot of fun building it. It's been a lot of fun putting together a team of people I really enjoy working with. And I certainly have no interest in turning around and selling off to some anonymous source of money uh, and, and running the risk of, of really breaking the culture that we've worked so hard to build. Well, Chuck, you did say you're not interested in private equity. I don't know if that's what you were saying when you were seven or eight years old, but uh, it's... it's- <laughs> It, uh, it, it, it's a big statement these days because I've heard firms tell me that they're not interested in private equity. And then a year later, I see a press release. Uh, so, <laughs> right. But you're firm on that one? Well, I am firm. And, you know, it, it's also dependent on people within Sovereign wanting to, to buy in. Right. I, I think they would. We're, we're clearly profitable and, and growing. And in five years, I think we would have a fully proven business model. And I like the idea of having, you know, that level of control retained within the firm with people that believe in the firm already, uh, as opposed to just selling it to the highest bidder. Now, that said, you know, I, I guess you could never say never. If, if there's a way to structure it that the people at Sovereign are comfortable with and it makes sense for me and them, then we'll, we would consider it, I suppose. And I've, I've asked that question to some of these private equity people, like what kind of um, safety safety measures can we put in place that we're not going to change the payout structure. We're not going to change the fee structure for our clients, you know, some of which, you know, were at my wedding 20 years ago. Like I, I don't want any of that to change. And if the resources that they bring to the table, uh, coupled with the fact that we would have ironclad guarantees of not changing our culture, I suppose we would consider it. But that is without question, a distant second choice to doing, you know, we were looking at ESOPs as a way of doing this or just selling it slowly over time to to the next generation within our 
our firm currently. And we have some really sharp young advisors that I think would be really good for this. And, uh, you know, we're at 14, so we're about halfway to where we want to be. And all we would need is four or five really interested, motivated, younger advisors that want to take it over. And they would certainly have the first crack at the equity. That's for sure. That's, uh, I think we've kind of covered this, uh, the Go RIA, the RIA Summit, uh, Sovereign Financial and uh, Chuck Fela. Really good stuff. Chuck, I I think our timeline on this is to start rolling out some Go RIA stuff in, isn't it January? Yeah. Folks can keep an eye out for that. Um, I I know Chuck's very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. A lot of us here. At, well, at, we'll definitely be talking about it on here, Jeff. Yeah. When it, yeah, there's going to be pops. I'm sure, right? There's going to be so much uh, so much going on along those lines, and uh, I don't know. It seems like we're striking the right chord here, based on what we've seen so far with the RA Summit uh, in all of our events there. Unless Bruce has anything else for Chuck, I guess we can let him get back to his three jobs that it seems like he had. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Chuck. All right. Uh, Jeff Bruce, thank you guys very much for having me here and looking forward to more Goal RIA very, very soon. Great. Thank you. See you guys. All right. Thanks, Jeff. That was another episode of the Investment News Podcast. Hey, if it's Monday, it's time for another podcast. Of course, we want to thank our special guest, Chuck Fela. We also want to thank Angelica Hester, our producer. And you can find the podcast at investmentnews.com. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. If you want to ask Jeff Benjamin any questions, find him on Twitter while there still is a Twitter. And his handle is at Benji Ryder. I'm also still on Twitter. My handle is at BD News Guy. Stay tuned because we'll be talking to you next week.